So please join me in the prayer for illumination. Let us pray. God, source of all light, by your word, you give light to the soul. Pour out on us the spirit of wisdom and understanding that our hearts and minds may be open to know your truth and your way. Amen. Our scripture reading for today comes from Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 21. Hear these words. I too have reason for confidence in the flesh. If anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as lost because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as lost because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us then who are mature be of the same mind. And if you think differently from any, about anything, this too God will reveal to you. Only let us hold fast as to what we have attained. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. I have often told you of them, and now I tell you even with tears. Their end is destruction, their God is the belly, and their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and it is from there that we are expecting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humiliation that it may be conformed to the body of his glory by the power that also enables him to make all things subject to himself. The word of God for the people of God. I'm glad to be with you this morning. Uh, it's wonderful to share this time with you and God. Would you pray with me? 
Great God, we give you thanks for another day and time to share and grow in you. What a privilege it is to gather and hear your word proclaimed. Rescue me from me, God, and hide me behind the cross. So at this time, we can hear your word in spite of anything I say or I do. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we've been talking about the Disciple Pathway series called Journey Toward the Heart of God. And today I get to share the last stage with you. Now I was going to say the final stage, but we've gotten hits on this anyway because it kind of sounds like a diagnosis. But anyway, let's remember what we heard before. Josh started us off by talking about our faith journey. We call this first phase or stage discovering Jesus. You start by testing the waters of Christian stuff. So it could be said that you have doubts about Jesus and faith, you know, all the Christian stuff. You're searching for reasons to believe in God, curious, but a little reluctant to make that leap of faith. The metaphor that we've been using around the discipleship pathway is you in a car. So this is you in the car and you're driving down the street and you see Jesus and you wave, but you don't stop and pick him up. So then you move to the next stage and that's exploring Jesus. You've made a commitment to Christ. God has moved from something over there to something more personal. You pray, you read scripture, you volunteer some at church and around, but not really consistently because, you know, you kind of get busy with other things and other things other than God. So if we use that car analogy again, it's like you've stopped to give Jesus a ride. But like the Uber and Lyft drivers, you make Jesus sit in the back seat. Now last week, Anthony talked about traveling with Jesus. That's the third stage. Here you're more invested in your faith. You take initiative to your faith development. Scripture and prayer are very important to you. And you make that a priority. So here we are again in the car. And Jesus is with you consistently in the car. And sometimes Jesus is even driving. But most of the time, you're in the driver's seat. Now, our scripture this morning that Lou read was Philippians 3, 4b through 21. And man, did it not sound like Paul. Blah, 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 blah. So if you'll give me a little latitude, because I'm a Christian educator, and I like to read all the versions, I'd like to read a little bit from the message. This is Paul speaking. You know my pedigree, a legitimate birth, circumcised on the eighth day, an Israelite from the elite tribe of Benjamin, a strict and devout adherent to the God's law, a fiery defender of the purity of my religion, even to the point of persecuting the church, a meticulous observer of everything set down in God's law book. So Paul is saying that he came from the right upbringing, 
followed the letter of the law, spoke with assurance and clout, and did this even to the point of persecuting the church. So what does that sound like Paul is saying to us? Maybe he did everything perfectly? Back to scripture. The very credentials, this is verse 7, the very credentials these people are waving around like something special, I'm tearing up, throwing them in the trash, along with everything else that I used to take credit for. And why? Because of Christ. Yes, all these things I once thought were so important are gone from my life. Compared to the high privilege of knowing Christ Jesus as my master, firsthand, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. Dog dung. I've dumped it all in the trash so I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I don't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I can get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. Now, some of y'all may have been or have gone to annual conference. Whenever you go up for ordination, you get historical questions asked to you by the bishop. And there's about 20 of them. And I thought that we might talk about maybe about four of them, because I think they kind of pertain. The first one that will be asked, and by the way, Josh will be asked these this year because he's going up for ordination. He'll be asked, have you faith in Christ? <coughs> faith in Christ is to believe who himself claimed to be, the way, the truth, and the life. He claimed to be the singular path to the heart of God and did not give another option. The second question, are you going on to perfection? Only in so much as Jesus has asked it of all of us who follow him on the narrow road. This call to Christian perfection is a cry to be something more. More love, more joy, more peace, more presence, presence with a capital P, more perfect. Not in the sense of gaining perfection in your own strength, but in the sense that the fullness of the Holy Spirit, we can find abundant life. So C.S. Lewis wrote this. He said, the command, be ye perfect, is not just idealistic gas. Nor is it a command to do the impossible. God is going to make us into creatures that obey the command. He meant what he said. Those who put themselves in his hands will become perfect, as he is perfect. God is perfect in love, in wisdom, in joy, in beauty, and immortality. The third question. Do you expect to be made perfect in love in this life. Methodists believe in entire sanctification. It's the trajectory of authentic discipleship. The question is not whether or not we have reached it 
or even if we can. The question is, are our lives pointed in that direction? Is your life pointed in that direction? Sanctification is costly. It is. But simply put, it's a call to die to self. But this question is also an invitation to freedom. Freedom from mediocrity. Freedom from the tyranny of the tolerable. It's an invitation into the good life in its most vivid and faithful form. And question four, are you earnestly striving after it? And what they mean by it is perfection in love. The repetition of this theme makes it all the more meaning, meaningful for Methodists. Those who contribute to the body of Christ have their, com- have, have their commitment to sanctification. When you say, are you going on to perfection, is this in your intention? Will you be ruthlessly opposed to stagnation in your life in Christ, in your ministry, in your care for the church? John Wesley described perfection as having the purity of intention, dedicating all the life to God, loving God with all of our heart, and as the renewal of the heart in our whole being in God. A life of perfect love means living in a way that is centered on a loving God, on one's neighbor, on being humble, gentle, ruling our tempers, our words, and our actions. Christians living out lives in God's perfect image through his son, Jesus Christ. Wesley went on to excuse misdeeds by the perfected Christians by saying, there's no such thing as perfect in life as it, as it implies to deliverance or ignorance or mistake or things that don't even have to do with salvation or from a manifold of temptations or even from the numbers of infirmities that happen in our corruptible body. Now, doesn't that sound like Wesley? So now let's visit the last stage, or phase, or place, whatever you want to call it. It's called living for Jesus. So in this stage, God guides your daily life. You make prayer consistent. It's a conversation with God. You've surrendered your priorities and your decision-making to God. You're modeling and reinforcing how to grow spiritually. You're learning the peace that comes with trust and sacrifice. So is this moving on to perfection? I would say all the stages are moving on to perfection. Wherever you are, as long as you're moving. Let's finish up with the scripture. We're going to start in verse 12. I'm not saying I have it all together, that I have made it. But I am well on my way, reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this. But I've got my eye on the goal. 
where God is beckoning us us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. So let's keep focused on that goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us. And if any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it yet. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. So last spring, I heard about this thing called Gastro Church. And I knew the person that was in charge of it. It's a pastor. Her name is Meredith Mills. I've served with her on a conference committee. And the articles have been in um, the conference newspaper. And there's been talk around the conference about this. And I can't tell you why, but the concept was intriguing. It kept coming up in different places, in different conversations. And over the summer, I got to take an evangelism course with Dr. Haynes, who, by the way, is going to be here this next Saturday and Sunday. Uh, He'll preach on Sunday, and he'll be here to do something on Saturday morning. And I believe that that course made me think a whole lot about outreach and the gastro church concept. Now, I'm an eight on the Enneagram. So eights think that they can do everything. They have a lot of energy. They sometimes can be quite ridiculous. But there's a few things I know I can't do. I can't sing, and I don't work on elevated things because I don't like heights. And if you don't know about the Enneagram, come talk to me, um, and I'll tell you more about it. But in the meantime, there were other people that God was calling. Peter, Josh, Mike Heather, Orrin and Margaret Gaspard. And we began to talk together and we realized we thought we could really do this. Maybe, sort of, perhaps. And as we began to pray and dream, God called some others. Alex and Bobby Berg, Sam Crabtree, Chris Weiss, who is our token Episcopalian. And we met, and we planned, and we prayed. We considered, and we cogitated. We stepped forward. We stepped back. And then it happened. Our version of Gastro Church that we call the Common Table. It happened on January 24th. So what is Common Table, you ask? It's an event off campus where we invite others to have intentional conversation about spiritual things over good food. Our focus is on those who would never darken the doorstep of Chapelwood, or probably any church, because they think they don't need God, they think God doesn't want them, they've been hurt by the church, they believe that the church is full of a bunch of hypocrites, and the list goes on. It's a time where they hear a spiritual message and they have time to talk about it if they want to or they can talk about something else. And then at the end, we offer communion and prayer if they choose to come. So why am I telling you about this story? Well, part of it is because I'm very passionate about Common Table and um, I wanted you to know a little bit about it. And then also we're going to have another one of these at the Civic Center on February 28th. 
but also, more importantly, to let you know that whenever you trust, surrender, pray, and dream, you become sensitive and open to God. You could say your eyes are open to God, to what God reveals, or become open to what God would have for you. With Common Table, God placed the dream and desire in all of those God called to make it happen. For me, it was going to seminary to be a chaplain at my age for the love of all that is holy. For others, it's stepping out to work with young children and giving them skills they need to be successful in school and beyond. I could continue the places and times and situations that God has called people from this church and other people that I know. Now, I can't tell you what God is calling you to do. But being open, letting go of your fears, being vulnerable and authentic, being real with God and others will certainly make it clearer. So where are you on the pathway? Does it really matter? I don't think so. What matters is if you're stuck there, if you're stagnant, then it does matter. What do you need to let go of to move forward? Do you need to make a UE? Do you need to go on the turnaround? Do you need to make some sort of modification? There are so many people right now, right beside you, out in your community and in your own family that need to hear about God. They need to hear about the God who you have encountered, who saved you, who has been with you through the good times and the bad and that God that will never leave you alone. Are you ready to move on to perfection? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.